Did you hear the big news? We started a private university. We are rolling out a new design certificate program and a master's degree program along with our Design Suite Mastermind. We have new enrollment dates coming up for these programs. And if you want to watch a 10-minute video and learn more, go to designsuitecourses.com learn. My name is Karina Gardner, and I'm what you would call a practical designer. If you're ready to create a life that you love, become an incredible force for good, and generate income while pursuing your dreams, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Make and Design. Hi, designers. So today I want to talk about three things I learned from the artists that I studied while I was writing Make Art That Sells. So many of you know this book. Almost every chapter features a different artist that I was interested in. And while I was thinking about a lot of these artists, I found a lot of common themes. And so I don't I don't put all of these common themes into the book, but um, they're just some things I wanted to discuss with you on today's podcast. So um, let's get started. So there were three things in particular that I thought were very, very interesting. And um, just to name a few, I uh, read a little bit up on Picasso and um, Monet, Claude Monet, um, Lucien Bernhard, uh, William Morris. Let me think. Who else is in there? Uh, Yayo uh, Kusama, Japanese artist. Um, and, you know, there were several, actually, that I didn't do big uh, synopsises on. But, you know, Rembrandt ended up in there. And um, Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo. Uh, Van Gogh has a chapter about the starving artist. Um, and so I, I featured Norman Rockwell. I'm trying, Andy Warhol. So there's a lot of artists who made in, which required me knowing a little bit about everyone um, and kind of their specialty. And a lot of it came from just my my general art knowledge from back in the day when um, I was a TA for uh, uh, History of Graphic Design. And so, I mean, that's, those are artists from a lot of different eras. But there are some fascinating things that I think comes out of the work as you kind of read what they were doing. Um, the first thing was that very often these, especially those that created full movements, it was not intentional. They weren't going out of their way to go, I'm creating a brand new movement. I mean, that really wasn't what they were trying to do. They were just trying to showcase their art. A great example of this is Claude Monet in creating Impressionism. Impressionism was kind of, I mean, the word itself was in a lot of ways making fun of what the critics were saying about Impressionism, right? It really wasn't um, something that he was trying to create or, uh, you know, make a movement. And it did catch on, which was very very interesting. Um, same with Picasso. I think he was trying to do different things because he was so great at exploring different things. He liked trying new things. Even the beginning of his time um, and, and this, the you know, his creation of Cubism, Af African forms, Iberian forms, you know, later on, he started getting into surrealism. And so he was definitely not stuck where he was, even if he was you know, technically, you know, according to our art history books, creating full movements, which is pretty cool, you guys, like really cool. A lot of times it's not intentional. We're just trying to explore. And there was a lot of curiosity involved in both of those um, uh, artists and what they were doing. And so I think if you 
really think about what you're doing and the art you're trying to create with this feeling of like curiosity and trying to create something that feels meaningful to yourself. I think that in a lot of ways, it's easier to create something new because of that versus trying to just copy someone else's work, right? All right, number two. Um, I was surprised. I mean, I knew that some of the lines were blurred, but I think the more and more and more I dug into this, the line between the artist and designer is far more blurred than even I had realized. Um, You know, I, at first I started writing the book and I was like, you know, I'm going to have to define these two labels. You know, an artist is someone who creates for one. A designer is one who creates for many. It's more like mass production. And um, every time I opened up a new artist and what they were doing, I was like, well, this is actually a little tricky because I think art history will call this, you know, this person an artist. And I think that um, in a lot of ways, they actually exemplify what we think of as mass production right now, which is like, you know, more of what a designer would do. And I was really grateful for this. I was grateful for, grateful for these blurred lines. I, I think it's important actually to note because so many people are stuck to labels. Well, I'm a fine artist or I'm an oil painting. I don't do that because that's not what a fine artist does or designer. I don't do that because that's not what a designer does. And I really like the blurring of lines. In, in particular, I kind of pay attention to Toulouse-Lautrec's uh, history. I mean, he did fine portraitures, but then was very, very famously well-known for La Goulie, which was done at the Moulin Rouge and was their their big poster. And it was very flat. There was a lot of lithography. It was very flat word typography and what we would consider closer to what we think of as today's graphic design or commercial art. Um, Norman Rockwell, Definitely, we think of him as a fine artist. However, most of his, many of his prints ended up on the Saturday Evening Post, which technically puts him into print, which technically puts him into mass production, right? And then we have the, the, those that do the opposite, like Andy Warhol. He takes screen printing and things we think of as more design-related and turns it into fine art, right? So like the Campbell's um, soup posters or the Marilyn Monroe posters and kind of going the other way. So I do think there are these blurred lines, and I think that that's the way it should be. I don't think there should be boxes around these things. I think that um, we should spend more time just digging into our own creativity and being excited to explore whatever we're meant to explore. And number three, this was really good for me to see, but there's, there's even a listing directly in the book of the number of works by these particular artists. I think everybody thinks that Da Vinci is just like, the one piece of artwork. It's the Mona Lisa or it's the Last Supper because those are the only ones that everyone talks about without really paying attention to the sheer volume of drawings and inventions and work that these artists were doing, the amount of work. And when it comes to volume, which is something that we really emphasize in our program, we have challenges, we're, we're trying to work on volume all the time with our designers. When we really truly pay attention to what um, kind of volume those artists were doing. 
the main example of this is Picasso. I mean, 50,000 artworks. I, I don't think another artist that I could find touched the amount of art he produced. I mean, just sheer volume. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive, really impressive. And goes to show that artists who are paid for their work truly can do volume and vice versa. It's kind of like, um, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I'm not sure, but like volume definitely plays a key in why an artist is able to create and financially be successful at the same time. Those two things absolutely go together. So I really, I, I found some really wonderful things. If you have not gotten the book yet, Make Art That Sells, it's on Amazon, hardcover, paperback. Um, by the time this comes out, I mean, there's Kindle, but by the time this comes out, the Audible version is probably available as well. Um, if you go to www.makeartbook.com and you click on the masterclass, you can get the masterclass absolutely for free. If you put in the code makeart, just makeart, um, it will zero out that class for you and you can go take it and learn more about the book, learn more about um, these artists and about the formula I teach in the book, which um, I'm not going to do here today. Instead, I just wanted to talk about these three things I learned about these artists I studied. So um, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope that you are going out of your way to create something unique and amazing. Um, it's okay if you're not intentional, just like these artists, like just do what brings curiosity and brings light into your life. And I will see you soon. Did you know you have access to more free design content, die cut files, and sewing patterns? Join our exclusive VIP group for free by going to designsweetcourses.com slash free.